I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So I told Brandon it wasn't fair. He showed that video before I walked up here. I was all choked up out back there. Man, that crushed me. Man. That's amazing to see what God's doing there in Bangladesh. And thanks for being part of that in your way, guys. Thanks for being generous, church. Um, thanks for being with us. Thanks for putting up with some of our, uh, you might have seen our redecorations out there. Um, it's good to be back in the house together. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had a, a pipe break uh, when that cold burst came through. And so um, kudos to you guys as well. A lot of you came in, pitched in throughout Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, helped clean up, putting up um, all kinds of curtains and everything. So um, we're going to get this thing back together, but thank you. Thanks for putting up with it, and also just thanks for joining in with us as well. Um, my name is Logan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, um, and one of the questions I get asked a lot you know, from time to time, people ask me, they say, Logan, did you always want to be a pastor? And I'm going to be really honest with you, no, I didn't want to always be a pastor. Um, I, I, the, the P word scared me. That's what I always say. Like the pastor thing, like I think I know kind of felt the weight of that and sensed that and thought, man, that that scares the heck out of me. I, 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 I kind of ran from it for a little bit, but, but, I, but I also, I do have a legacy of folks in my family who are pastors. We actually have a, a photo of it up here, I think, as well. Um, this is a throwback right here, you know what I mean? Like, we should go back to the wood paneling right there. Bob, that building fund does not look like it's going super great, you know? Um, I, I t- asked Kevin if he wanted that boom box, because I would love to know what's playing that cassette right there. But, uh, but that's me. Back in the day, um, on the, the, in the gray suit, um, the follically challenged gentleman right there, that's my great-grandfather. Uh, he was a Church of God pastor for 30, 40 years. My, that's my great-grandfather. And the guy on the right, that's my grandfather. Um, and so these guys are, are heroes of my faith. You know, they, they are a legacy in me. That was Easter when I got um, dedicated, just like we do up here. So I, when we do that, I, I mean, I went through that same exact thing and that um, and, and I'm, so, I'm so grateful for that legacy. And I, I saw the weight of being a pastor in their life. I saw what it cost them. I saw um, just their, their life of service to others. And they're, they're, I'm a huge part of who I am today. But, but the person on that screen that has impacted my faith by far um, is my mom. Um, sorry, I'm trying to keep it together. But um, my mother, seeing her up there, she's, she's the hero of my life. You know, she... You know, when we were up here and we say, we, you know, we, we challenge parents to, to, to raise their kids to know the Lord. My mom did that. You know, my mom, I'm a pastor for you guys today because of a lot of my mom's faith. And when something in my mom's life, you know, 
I'll share a little bit more about later, but my mom, man, she took that serious. And, and in her life, one of the greatest things I know this morning, first thing this morning, she wakes up real early in the morning. And she used to always thought because she was holier, but she said, no, it's because that's the only time the kids were, weren't awake, you know? But she would wake up and I remember the, I have that vivid memory of hearing the light click out there. Mom would sit in the rocking chair and pray and read. And she's read, read, read through the Bible. I can't even remember how many times every year. She always does the Bible in the year thing. She's got journals of prayer. prayer. She's been praying for people for years, for decades, praying for me, for my family, people she barely even knows. And, and my mom, man, as, as spiritually mature as she is, one of the greatest testaments to her faith and her maturity is her contentment. She's one of the most content people I know. She wouldn't want me to say that, but man, she's, just, she's not too high, she's not too low. She is just constant and steady. And, and contentment is the subject of our study this morning. We're finishing up Philippians. So if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in chapter four um, at the very end, verses uh, 11 through the end here. Um, and this is what Paul is talking about. It's his last few words to this Philippian church, and he is, he's sharing with them the, the secret. Um, and so we're going to pick this up in verse 11. It seems that the, the um, Philippian church, they had given them some gifts, so, right? Paul's in prison and they had provided something for him. We're not fully know maybe it was money or food or, you know, whatever it might be. But so he's thanking them in this moment. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in wants. Here's the famous verse that we all probably know. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I love in verse 14, he says, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Let's pause right there. Um, contentment, being content. It's, it's kind of a word we don't really use a lot in our culture, right? If someone were to say that about you, that'd be a compliment. But I don't know, did anybody wake up this week and say, you know what, my goal is to be content today. Right? It's, not, it's not really much in, our, in the waters of our, or streams of our life. You know, we live in a world that says, do more, achieve more, make more, succeed more. We celebrate success. We love, we love to crown champions. We love, to, we, we love winning. We love doing more. We celebrate, you know, we have goals and strategies and vision, and, I'm, and that's all good. I'm not, I'm not trying to say there's not a place for that. But to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm present and I'm I'm content with where I'm at right this moment. That's not something that necessarily we, we have a lot of value for in our culture. It's almost in some ways taboo. Like almost we consider those people lazy sometimes. Like, man, what's this person? Aren't they motivated in life? Don't you have any goals? Where's your five-year plan, right? To say, no, I think I'm okay with where I'm at. It's almost frowned upon in some way. Like we're doing something a different way. And, and, in, and in reality too, we, we all gravitate towards comfortability, Right? None of us love being uncomfortable. That's why I like working out as hard, right? Because it challenges you, it pushes you outside your comfort zone. But naturally, left to ourselves, humans, we'll just gravitate towards comfort. And so to be content, to be present where, where you're at, takes a lot of work. It's difficult. Because it's easier to gravitate towards the past, right? And say, well, the good old days. Oh man, if it could just be like it used to be, then everything would be all right. Or maybe it's for you if you're saying, hey, if I could just achieve that thing, if I could just hit that goal I have, if, hey, if my kids were just acting better, if they were just sleeping better at night, if I could just get through high school, if I could just get that job, if I could just get that promotion, then I'll be happy. 
right? Or, or we long, we romanticize the past or we, we, we just dream about the future, we daydream about it and it's, we're very rarely just where we're at, where our feet are. But it's interesting, if you're sitting here this morning, you're going, man, it's, it's, that's difficult, Logan, that doesn't come naturally to me. Well, I have some encouragement for you. It wasn't natural for Paul either, okay? It's not natural for Paul either. So the first question I wanna ask you this morning is have you learned to be content? Have you learned, if you're taking notes, maybe write that down, maybe take a picture of it. Have you learned to be content? Because in verse 11 and verse 12, Paul says it twice that he had to learn to be content. It wasn't something that maybe was natural for him or maybe just naturally happened. He came to know Jesus and all of a sudden he was just naturally the most content person in the world. No, it seems he had to learn it. He says it twice. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance, right? He says, I, I, I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have a lot, right? We know Paul had a very successful younger life Paul was had status, education, prominence. Yeah, he has these moments. He's writing from prison. You know, he, he, he's been shipwrecked. He's had highs and lows in life. He says, but, I've, but I had to learn contentment. Now, where did he learn this contentment? How did he learn this? We, we don't fully understand, but what we do know from Paul's life and from other letters, he gives us an insight. And so in 2 Corinthians 1, verses eight through nine, he's writing to another church and he says this. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Hear this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. I wonder if anybody in this room, you go, man, that feels like my life right now. Bob talked about last week about anxiety and depression and fear. And I wonder if some of us, when we hear those words, you're like, man, Logan, that, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's what my life feels like. And if you're feeling like that, I have encouragement that Paul felt like that too. The author, the greatest missionary we ever, we were hearing about missionary stories today. The greatest missionary, he felt like that. But he says this, he continues on, he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. I love that at the end, who raises the dead, because it's not a God who just doesn't have any power. He has the power to resurrect dead things, to bring life into hopeless situations. That's the God we celebrate. That's the God we make a big deal about around here. Paul learns in the midst of his hardest moment that God starts to strip away the things that he had put his, maybe his contentment in, maybe his, his circumstances, because he's had some low moments. He goes, you know what? In those moments, I realized it's God who's with me and he has all the power in the world. Paul, I love that he says this. Paul says back in the Philippians 4, he says, you know, this is an intimate letter to the Philippian church. And he, he says, I wanna, I wanna tell you the secret of contentment. And a secret, if it doesn't have value, it's not really much of a secret, right? It's a pretty bad secret. But he's passing on this secret to the church. He said, hey, let me teach you the secret of contentment is this. And, it, and it, it's Jesus. He makes it really clear. So our second question for us today is who or what? is the source of your contentment. Really think about it. Like, like, you know your circumstance. I don't know it. But what do you put your hope and trust in the most? Is it your ability? Is it your finances? Is, is it a future candidate in, in a political party? Is it, um, uh, is, it, is it how well your children behave? Is it, is it accomplishment? If you just get such a, a certain GPA in college at MSU, then you're, you'll be good to go. What is it? What are you putting your hope into? Maybe it is Jesus. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's just you hope it's, it's warmer next month. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, what is it that you put? Because we all do. We all put our hope in something. We're all in some circumstance. And we all have this tendency to hold on and say, you know what? I can, I can make it happen, right? I can, I can change this. I can be the, the master of my own destiny in some way. 
Who or what are you putting your source and content in? Um, Paul says that it's Jesus who's the source and, and, and the object of his contentment. He makes it very clear in that verse 13, right? I can do all of this through him who strengthens me. Now, I'm sorry, I don't mean to burst any bubbles. This has nothing to do with your favorite sports athlete. Um, I think this is probably the most prayed verse before every test for some kid that never studied, right? You're like, Lord, I can do all this. Make these answers pop in my head, right? Like every, every kid knows this verse. Bob even told me that this is the most tattooed verse, which makes, it begs the question, does Bob have a Philippians 4.13 tattoo? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't do any research on that. I don't know that. Um, but he told me, that. he said, it's the most tattooed verse. I said, okay, I'll, I'll trust you on that, Bob, right? We love this verse. We love to cling to it and say, God, you can make everything happen in my life. What Paul's really saying is I can be content in anything I have because if I have Jesus, I have everything. And I know that sounds so like, almost like, just, just like, man, that's not realistic. Like, there's no way that's true, right? But, but he's not just talking about a knowledge of Jesus or some theology. It's not a head knowledge, it's an experience because he doesn't just believe that God um, is somewhere there caring for him, but he believes that God is there with him. In the midst of that prison, he's with him. In the middle of the shipwreck, he's there. When he has plenty, God, you've blessed me. And I know this because it's what Jesus says. The very last words that Jesus says in Matthew 28, we, we love this passage. We, love to, we just talked about missions and we love this verse about the Great Commission. You may have heard this before. I'll read it again. It says, and then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Hear that? He's the one with the power. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey things that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you hear that? He says, because I am with you till the end of the age. So the, the crowd that heard this had to trust Jesus and say, I can do these things. I can go to the ends of the earth because Jesus, you said you're gonna go with me, right? He's in, Jesus saying, it's the very last thing we have accounted that he says, I am going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm with you. So friends in this room, if you don't know Jesus or you know Jesus for a long time, Jesus is with you. He's in the midst of your circumstance. He's in the midst of your challenges. He's in the midst of your plenty. Jesus is with you. And though we may not fully see that or understand that, that is a reality and we need to seek that out. We need to see, God, I have to trust God, you're doing something, but where are you? I, I might not fully see it, right? But God, I know that you're with me. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this. But you know what? I know in, your room, in this room you're going, yeah, but I don't feel like that all the time. And the reality is because like Bob laid out last week, many of us, we, we, we get so caught up in our world, right? It's an anxious world. There's a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of things to do. So we get anxious, we get fearful. And sometimes it even challenges us. It, it makes us scared in some ways, right? We, we get fearful. But did you, do you know what the number one command in all scripture is? A little Bible, see, I grew up in a little church. You saw that, right? So I had a lot of Bible lessons, all right? You know what the number one command in all scripture is? Not, not be holy, not, um, not to pray more. Do you know what the number one command in all of scripture? It's be not afraid. Be not afraid. If you start in the very beginning and then work your way through this Bible, God constantly says this. Test me, find this out. Go Google this. This is what Google exists, right? Like, be not afraid, take heart, be encouraged. Do not fear. And it seems like these folks in this Bible they had a hard time getting that ingrained in them too. And so folks, I bet us as well, I bet we have a hard time not fear, being fearful of our situations. 
being so scared of what we see in front of us as this is like the main priority and we have a hard time thinking, man, God is in control. He sees me, he cares with me. He's actually in this situation with me. And you know what? If you're like that, guess what? You're in good company. Because this Bible is full of people who Jesus has to tell them time and time again, God comes to them, hey, you know, have a celebration, have a, have a literally a party so you'll remember what I did for you, right? Have a holiday out of this. Actually, you know, build a monument so you'll remember what I did for you. Don't be scared, don't be afraid. Take courage, take heart. I am with you, right? But, but our life, it's so easy that we get caught up in our fears, and our insecurities and our doubts, and we just, we want things to be better. And that's a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to diminish any of the problems or troubles in this room. I know they're real. Even that verse, Bob mentioned it last week, right? In this world, we will have troubles, but take heart. What does Jesus say? Because I have overcome the world, right? It's again, it's another reminder. Jesus is in control. He sees us and he is with us in the midst of those challenges. He does not leave us by ourselves. Folks, I wanna make a, a challenge to you that I think in some ways our contentment, the, us being able to be present where we're at and say, God is with me. I don't fully see it. I'm not gonna get too far in the future or, or long for the past. That contentment and wherever God has us, because we don't, I can't blink to tomorrow. I can't go back to the past. I'm here, I got today, right? But today, our contentment today is almost in some ways a barometer of our trust. It's a barometer of how much we trust, right? Because we can try to try to, you know, make things happen and twist things to make sure that, you know, we make God do what we want him to do. But Paul seems very clear. He's passing on the secret of, the secret of being contentment is Jesus, you're in control and, and what do you want to do? And we're going to see what happens from that. And T. Wright says it this way about fear. He says, the irony of this surprising command is that though it's all what we really want to hear, we have much more, we have much difficulty, if not more, in obeying, obeying this command as any other. We all cherish fear so closely that we can't shed it even when we're told to do so. Are some of us in this room, do, are we holding on to our circumstances and the things in life? Do we, do we hold on so tightly? And we, we want to bring them to God, but we're like, I don't know, God, if you can really do this. So God, I'll take it back. Let me, let me be in the driver's seat, right? You know, like the whole, like the, the sticker, bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot. You're like, I'll, I'll do the driving, right? In my life. But, but, but faith and trust in Jesus is saying, God, I, I can't do all this. I, I need you and wherever I'm at, I, I might not wanna be here. It might not be a perfect circumstance. I'm sure Paul isn't like, sweet, I love being in prison, right? But he knows there's a purpose for him even there as he's sharing the gospel and we're gonna come to that later. But can we give God our, our circumstances and start to trust him because he's the one who is both past, present and future. I don't see everything. I, I've only walked this world for the years I have. I, I don't know everything, but he does, and I trust him. And, and you might hear this story, and you're like, well, Logan, that's great for Paul. He's the greatest missionary. He's the GOAT, right? Not Tom Brady, not Michael Jordan. It, it's, 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 it's Paul, right? He's the one. Like, I can't be Paul. That's not, I can't do that. Sure, of course, he wrote the Bible. Come on. But see, I know these passages to be true because I saw them in my mom's life. See, when I grew up as a kid, um, I grew up as a single parent home. Um, my dad was not around. My mom got married when I, when I went into middle school. But for the first, my elementary years, it was just me and my mom. And I'm talking, um, I'm not here to like make much of, of our hardships, but you know, I know what it's like to be in welfare and have food stamps. You know, we used to clean our church every Friday night for $35. And that was our, that was our, our budget for food. That's what we ate on. You know, I, I can vividly remember me memories. Mom would get me a happy meal 
and she wouldn't get one because she couldn't, we couldn't afford two Happy Meals. You know, I remember us losing our home. I remember moving a lot. And things weren't great for my mom, right? She, but, but, but I always remember my mom always was content. And she says, Logan, the Lord has never forgotten us. The Lord is here. He cares about us. And my mom's faith was just rock solid then as it is today. And she taught me that and it modeled that for me. I was always in church. She cared for me. The, the men and the women of our church cared for me. I always made sure I never went hungry because they, they cared for me. They provided Christmas presents. I shot my first deer with someone from the church. I learned how to, how to cast a line with the guys from my church. I don't remember their names, but I remember their faces because they cared for me. My mom had me in church every week. And I, even with the little money I had, my mom was so generous. She taught me how to tithe and be generous as a kid. We had nothing, y'all. You know what I mean? We had nothing. And she'd be like, no, you know, 10% goes to the Lord. You know, she, she had that ingrained in me. And I'm grateful for that legacy in my mom because my mom, she never let her circumstances dictate her faith. Even to this day, my mom, you know, my mom did get married and married a great guy who I call dad. And, you know, they've had, you know, it's easier. Like, man, we got a house. We're not going to get evicted out. This is awesome. You know, like, I moved to a farm. I was like, what is this? You know, like I, I, I grew up and I was like, now I have chores and animals to take care of. I was like, man, I, I am living high on the hog now. You know, like that was good. I was so excited. And my mom, but what was in that moment, she was content. And then when she started to have some surplus in her life, she still continued to give. She's like, well, God, you've been so good. What can I do with this? Can I be generous with that? Right, and, 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 and my story of that with my mom is this, and it begs the question of who might benefit from your contentment? If this were to really get in you, if we really started to believe that Jesus is with me in all my situations, that my circumstances don't dictate everything about my life, how would that change? What would that model for your children? What would that model for your coworkers? What would that model for your family? See, friends, I think that contentment, it's almost like this, it's like a spiritual maturity test for us because it's so taboo in our culture to be like, you know what? I'm actually okay with where God's got me. Doesn't mean I don't have goals. Doesn't mean I don't have dreams and hopes. My mom has dreams and hopes. My family does. But, but I, I saw that and it was like a concrete example of love, trust, and obedience in Jesus to me. It was a concrete, I was like, man, God must be real because mom will not throw this away. Like life ain't great. Like we never had the fancy cars. Like I was getting the hand-me-downs. Goodwill was our best friend, right? But she's like, God is good and he is here and, he tr- and I trust him, Logan. He's given me you and, and, and we're gonna honor God with our lives. Even my family, you know, I, I think about it and how, how often my house was, you know, anytime there was a person coming through the church, you know, some get special music person, you know, which they don't, weren't always really that good, but let's be honest. But you know what I mean? Like somebody would come up, do a little song, or, uh, you know, they did foreign exchange students, they hosted them. You know, their mom's the first one with like the bring the meal to the, you know, the, the, the meal train, you know. They're just generous with their time and their money. The things we talk about, are we, are we giving of God of our time, talents, treasures, and plans? My family is that, and I'm a testament. Like I'm a pastor today because of my mom's legacy. I saw her faith and I said, you know what? I want that in my life. That God must be real and I need to find out who he is. Even though I heard the stories, there was a moment for me to take that to me, is that, is that my face? And so generosity flows from being content, right? Because you don't look at your life and say, this is all mine. I don't have to make it happen. God, you've blessed me. So God, who could I bless around me? Friends, I think it's contagious to be around people who are content, right? Because we all know that person, you're like, they're a little weird because you're like, man, I don't get it. But I want to be like you, right? Like it's like you wanted to rub off on you. 
Like we don't, it's not fun to be around people who, who hate life all the time. Like they're the people I'm like, whew, Lord, give me some grace to love them a little more, right? Because it's, it's hard to be around that person when they, everything's like, woe is me and life. And man, did you see the news? And all? it's like, oh man. And friends, if we actually believe this book, if we actually believe as believers that Jesus is with us and he, is what, he cares for us, then don't we have all the greatest hope in this world? Or do we look like those people who just complain and are curmudgeons and grumble about everything, about feeling like God has, has slighted them in some way? We wanna see God move in our town, but what would it look like if a, as a church, we grew in maturity as content people, wherever God has placed you in your apartments, in your homes, in, in your schools, in your jobs, in your families, in in the later seasons of life, what if it was like actually going, you know what, God has blessed me and how can I be a blessing to others? Who is around me? I don't fully see how I get out of the situation, but I know that God cares. Like that is radical in our day. You want someone to come to know Jesus, you can become a content person. You you get that deep down inside of you, it changes you. And it's like, people are like, what's going on there, right? We know that. I know those people in my life. That's who my mom was. But I think there's also a downside, folks, because you can hear this, like, great, okay, wonderful. I need to become more content. Woo, awesome. It's, it's not just something I, I, I just get a character trait down deep inside of me, but it's, but it's God, it's a practice. It's a practice of contentment. It's, it's, it's a daily thing. But I've also seen the downside of this, if I'm being honest with you, because in that picture, I showed you my grandfather's there, and, and I was talking to my mom about this, because I said, mom, t- tell me a secret. Like, how, how are you and dad so content? And she began to unfold this a little bit for me. And then she says, you know, Logan, if your granddad had one major flaw, it was that he was never content. And my granddad knew the Lord. He was a pastor. Um, He faithfully served the Lord in a long long time. But he got this idea of a very specific, a very narrow idea of how God wanted to use him. You know, he thought like God was going to use him to change the world. And, And so he was never content with where he was at, guys. He bounced around. He took different jobs. He was frustrated. He was impatient. And I love him to death. There, I mean, he made a big impact on me, but there's this lasting memory of grandpa was always upset. He was always even disappointed. He felt like he had even failed God, even to his death. When he, he passed away in the hospital, I remember this as a young kid that he felt like he was a failure. He felt like he had let down God. And you know what's crazy about that is my granddad, even on his deathbed, had shared the gospel with all of his nurses and when he passed away, all of them were weeping because they're like, man, what is going on? And, and my grandma, I remember her saying, you know, Logan, you know, Pap, Pap thought, you know, he, he, he didn't realize what God was doing. God did something differently than what he imagined. Friends, there's a shadow side if we don't actually do this work because we don't want to go. I don't want you to go to your deathbed like my granddad being discontent and bitter and upset. It's a legacy that he has to deal with and we had to deal with as a family. And I don't mean that as a disparage on his life, but, but I don't want that to be you. We have to take this work seriously. So it begs the question, how do we do this? Like, how does this actually play out? And so I got a couple, couple things. It isn't three, it's four, okay, today. So this is your homework for this week. Four things, you don't have to do them all this week, but I would encourage you to do it, okay? First of, is this. First is this, is chew on the fear not passages. I'm encouraging you to do a little Bible study this week. You can Google, it's fine. I won't, I won't tell anybody, but, but go and look up all the fear not, the take hearts, be encouraged verses. Because like I said earlier, if, you, if they had a hard time remembering that, I guarantee you, you do, right? So do some work this morning. 
I don't care how you do it. Underline it in your, your Bible, highlight things, make post-it notes. There's literally hundreds of passages where Jesus is telling people, do not be afraid, be encouraged. I am with you, fear not, do not fear. Look them up, Google it. You can print them out, you can put them on your window because you know what? We need daily moment by moment reminders of God, you are with me in my situation. So chew on them, you know, like a, a cow chews cud, right? They chew on it for a long time. I'm asking you to chew on it. Don't like read them on and be like, that's cute. And then just move on with your life. I'm asking you to like, get it in us. Like it needs to be deep in us because we have a hard time trusting Jesus. And we, he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our trust. So chew on those verses, begin that. Highlight them, write them down, memorize them, whatever it takes, get them into us of man, God is with me. Second is this, it's, it's examine prayer. There's actually a QR code, examine prayer. It's a really ancient form of prayer by St. Ignatius, um, early church father. Um, one thing he said, if there was one thing you could do for your faith, he would encourage those who, who were kind of following his, his, his uh, teachings at the time to do an examine prayer. It's really simple. There's a QR code there. You can Google it as well. It's a five-step prayer that basically is a way to look at your day and see where God's in your day. Right, so you pause, you slow down, you reflect on your day, you see where maybe you missed God, what God was doing, and then you think about the next day. What would it look like if we actually did that? Right, rather than just hustling, bustling, and taking my phone and watching, you know, whatever happened at the, in the news that night. What if at the end of my day I began a practice of actually saying, "God, where were you today? Did I miss you?" Because it begins to change our hearts where we're looking for God in our lives. Right, not just saying, "God, well." Because I hear it. People come off, God's not here. I don't see him. I heard him like, well, are you looking for him? They're like, well, no. He's supposed to just jump out of the bush and say, here I am, right? Like, no, like, are we going to look for him? Because Jesus says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be answered to you, right? Jesus promises if we seek him, we will find him. So friends, maybe that's something for you. Maybe, maybe you add a little bit of that practice. Maybe it's a way to pray at night. Exam, exam prayer, that's done by Fuller's Seminary. There's some little videos you can watch. It kind of leads you through it, slows you down. It's really helpful been a helpful practice for me. Thirdly, eliminate those things in life that just feed discontent. My wife was telling me this. She goes, you know what? Me and my friends in my small group, we realized like just social media, for example, like it was just, just gnawing us because you're just comparing yourself and then you're not content and everybody's going to Hawaii for spring break and you know, all that stuff. And, and you're like, man, like it's hard to be present. And you know what they all said? You're like, hey, we're all just going to delete our social media apps and we're just going to like keep each other accountable to that. And we're going to like just send each other pictures of our kids and stuff like that. I don't know what that looks like for you, but what are those things that just feed discontent in you? Is it continuously scrolling and looking at your 401k? Is it looking at stock prices every day? Is it, is it looking at the news? Begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what are some of those things that could be eliminated? What are some of those things that they're not leading to life, they're leading to stress and anxiety and depression? I know you can't just zone out the world. I'm not saying that. But what we give our attention to is what we give our affection to. And friends, are you feeding your affection for Jesus? Or are you feeding your, your, your affection for fear? We have to be honest with where that is because a lot of us, we spend most of our time looking and doing things that have no benefit to us. So what are those things for you? Maybe it is some of those things, maybe it's something else. I don't fully know your situation, but I, but I, but I do know that to be true. And lastly is this, um, find a spiritual mentor. Find somebody. And what I mean by this is, you're in a room full of thousands of people, right? Come and like, 
you need to, like, don't just run out of here to, in the, after the song, right? Like, bump into people, and maybe it's someone in your small group, maybe it's someone in your life. Look for someone who's really content in your life. Because I've never met a content person that just doesn't happen to be spiritually mature. Maybe find a person. The Bible talks a lot about finding people with the gray hair. They don't have to have gray hair. You know what I mean? Um, I got some sprouting now, but it could be someone in your life that you're like, you know what? You, don't, you may not have everything perfectly, but, but there's something about you. Like, you're very content. I know your story. Teach me how, because, and don't wait till life gets hard. Do it now, do it, do it today, do it this week. Start rubbing the shoulders with people and say, man, could I, could I buy, it's worth buying them a cup of coffee, buying them lunch. Say, hey, could we, could we make it a practice to find someone? Maybe it's, that's why we have, you know, the connect cards. That's why we have prayer tables. We, that's why you have small group leaders, people in your life to say, man, like I'm struggling with this. Like I get so scared about the future or I long for the past or like I'm never present. Like I, I'm just not. And, and Paul makes it really clear in this passage. He says that it's the secret he wanted to pass on to this church. He said, man, it's a secret intimate. It's Paul would not have been able to do all the things, the great Paul that we, we magnify and a lot of things we should celebrate. But the reality is it was only because he knew that Jesus was with him in all those situations. That is hard for you to believe that's not being played out in your life. Would we allow the Holy Spirit in that space to do that work in our life? I got, I got as we close, I got one more quote for you and we'll, we'll end our time here. But this is N.T. Wright again in his book called Following Jesus. It's really thin. I'd encourage you to read it. It says, therefore, we are not surprised if living as Christians brings us to a place where we find we are at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. Living by faith rather than fear is so odd to us, so scary for us that it takes a lot of learning, right? Just what Paul said, it takes a lot of learning. Bit by bit, we must be open ourselves to the power of this resurrection God and sometimes this will only happen when we find ourselves in a sudden crisis when there is nothing else we can do. Don't be surprised if this happens, not least when you face an uncertain future. Use such an opportunity as the moment when your belief in the resurrection of Jesus, your trust in the God who raises the dead, your determination to follow the lamb like the song we sang this morning, wherever he goes, reaches down one or two, deep, one or two levels deeper in your own innermost being, the place where all those fears still live. Got one final class question for you and I'll let you leave. How content are you with your faith? How content are you? We've talked a lot in this past series about rediscovering joy and, and Paul makes it very clear, it's Jesus. Jesus is the source of our joy, not of our happiness. Happiness can come and go, but what is the, what is the, the source of our joy? And it's been clear in this passage, in this whole study, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, and, and I, I just can't help but ask, like, have we rediscovered joy? Are you a joyful person? Do you have the joy of Lord? Is there a peace that passes understanding in your life? Are you content with your faith? And, and here's why I ask that, is because as a pastor, I get a chance to meet with you guys and talk with people, and as I bump into people, a lot of times, you know, it's, isn't it interesting that we're so discontent about everything else, but when I ask, hey, how's your walk with Jesus? You're like, I'm good, I'm good there. I'm good. Me and Jesus are cool, man. You know, like, it's like, we put this wall up. It's like, I'm really content. We're good. I don't want God to come in and mess this thing up. Like, I hear that all the time. And maybe in a not less aggressive way, but like, it's weird that it's the one area that a lot of, a lot of us are content with. Like, me and Jesus are cool, man. We're BFFs. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want him to really deal with my life. What I want to encourage you is, I don't want you to be content with your walk with Jesus. I want you to be discontent in that area. I want you to want more of God. Would you invite God in more? So are you content? Are you a person who's just like, you know what? I'm good. 
Maybe you're a person in this room, you've never followed Jesus. Maybe you've been here in this series and you just walked in today for whatever reason, wanted to see our, our building project here. I don't know, see our little project. I don't know, but, but whatever it might be, I, I wanna know, are you content? Are, are, is life going? Like We ask this to the students all the time. How, how's, it, how's it going? How's it really going? How's that treating you? Is your way working? Because Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, that through him, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Does your life look like that? Or maybe, like me, there's some work to do. Maybe, maybe there's some actually room where you're saying, you know what, Logan, I need to take a step. We talk all the time about taking a step of faith. What is that next step of faith for you? For some of us, it's, it's actually humbling ourselves before the Lord and actually saying, God, I, I need you. You know what, I've been trusting everything. I've been trusting my own power, circumstances, everybody else to change my life, but Lord, it's time to, to let you do that. I'm gonna release control. Maybe today's the day you come home to the Lord and, and praise God for that. And maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time in this room, and maybe you know it, but you, we have this tendency, right? We forget and fear creeps in and we've forgotten that secret of contentment. And you look at your life and you say, Logan, I don't got much content in my life and I, I tend to act like that too. I, I, I need to repent of that. I need to move and say, God, I need you to change me. I need to I need, to, I need to find that spiritual mentor. I don't know who that is, Lord. Or Logan, I need to get rid of some of these areas of discontent. Well, maybe that's you. But as we close this series and we close this time together and we wrap things up, I just think it's good to pause and say, man, are you content with your faith? Are you just really happy with where you're at? Or, or maybe you're gonna trust Jesus just a little bit more. Maybe it's that first step or maybe just like N.T. Wright said, maybe it's in one or two steps down deeper of trusting him. And hear me, I understand there's real circumstances. I understand there's real things. I know there's longings for justice and things to be right. And I hear you. But I wanna put my trust in him who is those things. He's the only one that can make those things right, not me. I'm not good at being God. I tell it to the teens all the time. I just learned in life, I ain't good at being God, right? Like I can't be all places at all times and know all things and all powerful. I can't do that. But I often act like that, Right? And repentance is a chance for us to say, God, I'm not God and you are, and I, I wanna put my trust in you. And so, so there's gonna be a chance to respond today. Um, I'm gonna ask if, if anybody on the prayer teams, if they wanna come up here, they could. Um, if you're a small group leader, feel free to come up here as well or a council member. Um, because again, the Bible talks about finding those people, those spiritual mature people. These people aren't gurus or, or, or anything, but maybe they've walked that road a little bit for you. And so in this time of response in this song, if I don't know where you're at in your faith, I don't but I know that we all got some work to do. I had some work to do in repentance when I was preparing this message. I had some areas where I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm trusting myself more than I'm trusting you. And so today, maybe you just want someone to pray with you. Last Sunday, we had a chance, you know, everything happened, the water pipe burst and James and Ashley, new friends of ours, they said, you know, we were going to cancel youth. And they said, you know what? Um, you could be in our shop. You know, they got a big workshop back there and we got the heaters and they got, we, we just had worship and prayer and it was awesome. You know, what was awesome about that time. The kids ended by having a time where everybody got prayed for. Every student got to go and be prayed for and pray with somebody. And I wanna encourage you, maybe we would follow the kids' lead a little bit. Maybe today's the day where you just take a step of faith and maybe you walk out of those seats and you say, you know what? It's my time to follow Jesus. Or man, you know what? I need to repent. And I, want, I would love for someone to pray with me. And so maybe that's today. And so when I, when I pray for us here in a second, as they're playing, I would encourage you to take a step of faith and maybe you just respond to the Lord, wherever he's laying on your heart. Because what I, my hope and my prayer this week is that we would rediscover joy, that we would realize that Jesus, he is our source and the object of our contentment, that he truly is as good as he says he is. The word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so today is a chance to taste and see 
that God is good. Let us pray together and respond as needed. Lord, we give you today, we give you this time. Lord, this is your church. This is your space. These are your words. And so God, would you begin to move hearts? Lord, sometimes our faith, if we're gonna really trust you, we gotta take a step of faith. And there's nothing magical about taking a step out of a road, but just saying, God, I need you. Um, that's, a very, that's a very intimate thing. But as a community, as a church, we gather so we can support one another and celebrate you. And so God, will we rally around those today. Will we not look at this as like a thing of a shame or, or, or anything like that, but actually it's, it's, a, it's the most courageous thing we can do to say, God, this is where I'm really at and I need you to move my life. So God, would you move in this place? Would you change hearts? Would you transform lives? And like it says in your word, you are the one who can resurrect the dead. You can bring all things to life. And so God, would you bring what it seems like hopeless and that there's no hope or, or dead in our lives? And would you resurrect that this morning? Will we actually encounter the living God who loves and cares for us this moment? In Jesus' name, amen.